Hey there, lovelies. Before we start the show, you're going to notice a couple weird things in this episode. Uh, first off, we meant we had every intention of making this only one episode, but we found out somewhere around hour two that we were going to end up splitting this into two episodes. It's just too much talking about too many things. Uh, so we're going to be covering episodes one through five in this episode. And then six through 10 in our next episode, I'm going to upload both at the same time. Uh, so you can still listen to them consecutively if you'd like. Uh, also, at the beginning of this episode, for the first half of this episode, Carly's audio is a little off. Uh, unfortunately, we realized somewhere halfway through the episode that she was not pulling from her regular microphone, but from her computer's microphone. So uh, instead of re-recording it, we just kept it... Um, Hopefully it doesn't bug you too much, and uh, the rest of her audio will be fine after the first 30 minutes or so. All right, I hope you enjoy it. This episode of Final Girls Horrorcast is sponsored by the most awesome Nick B, Mazakazu T, Matt N, and Monica M. To become a part of our amazing Patreon crew, visit us on patreon.com slash finalgirlshorrorcast. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. and thanks for joining us on the 105th episode of Final Girls Horrorcast, the show where we discuss some of the horror, thriller, and sci-fi movies currently available on your favorite streaming sites. I'm Amy. And I'm Carly. And on today's super special episode, we're going to be discussing Mike Flanagan's new Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House. For you new listeners, we are a spoiler-heavy podcast, so continue at your own risk. If you haven't gotten a chance to check out The Haunting of Hill House yet, we highly recommend... We highly yes. recommend you do this before continuing. 100%, please. We're going to spoil it. We're going to get nitty and gritty in it. And it's one of those things you want to experience first. So be sure to do that. You know who you are, people who didn't watch <laughs> it. Don't let us be that person that spoils it for you. Seriously, watch it immediately, please. Yes. Um, but before we jump into Hill House, let's get started with a segment that we like to call... Trailer Trash Talk. Today's trailer is Bird Box with a December 21st release date. It's directed by Suzanne Bear, Bear uh, who previously directed Serena and Second Chance. And it's written by Eric Heiserer. <laughs> That's not how you say it. <laughs> Who wrote uh, the A Nightmare on Elm Street remake, uh, but also did the Thing remake, uh, Lights Out and The Arrival, which aren't nearly as bad as okay, that yeah. one. Yeah. Redeeming. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on the novel by Josh Mallerman. The IMDb summary is a woman and a pair of children are blindfolded and make their way through a dystopian setting along a river. Worst summary ever. It is a really bad it's summary. It's very... It's so much more than that. Yeah, it's way more than that. Like, um, that doesn't sound interesting at all. No. <laughs> I mean, it I was does, actually but. worried about it because I, I, like, heard about this movie and I love Sandra Bullock more than I love most things. Um, I've had a weird love for her ever since I was, like, tiny. 
Um, and I saw that she was doing a horror movie and I got so excited. And then I read that IMDb summary and I was like, well, <laughs> I'm excited for it anyway. But then I watched the trailer and, and now I'm really excited for it. So it's kind of like, uh, as, as Luke and Jacob recently said on their show, um, it looks kind of like a quiet place, but with your eyes instead of your ears as the sensory issue. Um, yeah. Okay. And more people. And they, more, sure. Less, less dead people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it looks good. There's a pretty big cast here for a horror film, uh, which is kind of cool. I never thought I would see Sandra Bullock in a horror, horror Me movie. Either. That's why when I was like, we have to do this. We have to do this trailer because I need to see it. And then I need to talk about it. <laughs> um, I know it's a book, but I confused this. For some reason, I confused this novel with Lullaby, which is very different. Um, and by completely different authors. I don't know why. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it looks great. I'm, I'm into it. It looks good. I, I don't know. I, it doesn't give you a lot, really, to go off of. Um, you barely even get the whole "if you see it, you die" kind of thing, which I think the, they pr- probably could have explained a little bit better. The thing that I pulled from it, and I, this could be totally wrong. Um, I also just saw Fantastic Beasts, so maybe this is why I'm pulling this in. <laughs> but like, it feels like what they see are kind of like boggarts. Like they see their worst fear, and then like somehow that triggers like them to die in oh. some way. Oh, maybe. No, nope, you might have of- caught something I didn't. So it's it's Bogart, the movie. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have, you're not wizard, so you can't like ridiculous your way out of it. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> can't do that. No nope. tap dancing spiders here. Nope. No. Nope. You're just death. You're just, you're just gone. You're done. <laughs> um, but this like looks so good. I'm really excited and it looks to be a Netflix movie. So it'll be on Netflix on December 21st. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, Luke and Jacob were saying that it might get a theatrical release as well. Um, I mean, with Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich, like right they now. should just throw it in theaters. Malkovich, Malkovich, <laughs> Malkovich. Um, I love him. <laughs> Same. I love being John Malkovich too, which is why I just did that. Um, yeah, I... I think it's they, they said it was likely because they might want it to be up for awards this year, um, which Ooh. it won't be if it's only on Netflix, I guess. Yeah. Didn't I hear a while ago that Netflix was going to be opening up its own theaters? I don't know. Oh, I think I read that they're going to be opening up a string of movie theaters so you can see uh, their films on the big screen. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm down for that, obviously. Same. Um, so hopefully this does get a theatrical release. I didn't see anything on IMDb about it, so I don't know how uh, how realistic or how much that is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it might be just something they're throwing around as an idea. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm on board. I will watch this wherever it plays. Hopefully, <laughs> it'll be in theaters, so I can go see it in theaters. Yeah, or you know, watch it on netflix when it opens and then you can see it again in the theater maybe i would do that yeah 100 percent. all right are we gonna get into it now we're gonna get in the nitty-gritty man we're gonna break it down you know what's really funny is um just a couple things before we jump in about mike flanagan and about uh the show which is blown up by the way like i have yeah. friends that won't touch horror with a 10 foot pole and they're all over this um and 
I'm so confused by that. I'm not. Should we do like, yeah, I think this movie is beautiful. I think of this movie, this like series, I guess. Uh, It's, it's so touching and like, it's so emotional and like, you really get like, yes, like ghosts are obviously a humongous part of this, but like, I feel like, I don't know. I get it. I get why people that aren't into horror are into this because it's just, it's so good on so many levels. Let me rephrase it. I think that most people would agree. This is a great show. I'm confused why people would even watch it that aren't into horror because it's, it's pretty frightening. Uh, even for people who like horror, <laughs> I think at times, um, but there's, and, and it's just so funny because, okay, not to be an asshole, but I mean, I liked Mike Flanagan before it was cool, right? And <laughs> <laughs> just saying like his, this isn't any different than his movies. Like I'm sure Jacob and Luke would have something to say about that. But um, I mean, realistically speaking, he's always been this kind of writer and he's always been pushing himself as a director and done really cool things um so to me it's like if you like this you would like his other stuff it's like not really any different um i mean i think this is a little more elevated he's definitely pushing himself uh in like pushing himself as a director and pushing himself as a writer and getting more intricate but i mean all in all this is this is him like even if i didn't know this was written by him or directed by him um i would watch it and know because it it just looks like him you know it feels like him he has like a very specific way about his films um 100% i agree with that um i also think though like the release time and date had a lot to do with it obviously it came out like in october on netflix sure like maybe a lot of people that aren't typically into horror were looking for something kind of spooky to watch and maybe started with the first episode the first episode i feel like is really mild Mm -hmm. with ghosts you Mm -hmm. don't really get that ghost i disagree tony couldn't even get past the first scene oh really yeah it's (laughs) i think if you're not (laughs) if you're not a horror person it's just he's like and the thing is, there's no jump scares in that scene, and we'll get there. I don't want to get too into it, but he just couldn't because of the build. The buildup is so strong in yes. that scene. Um, yes. I didn't feel it the second time I saw it, um, but the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit, I can't handle the tension right now. Like, there's so much tension. Um, so, I don't know. I, I I don't think this is any less frightening than his movies are. If anything, I think it's more frightening. I think it's more frightening, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So I just think it's funny. I'm like, if you're not a horror fan and you're listening to this show just because we're talking about The Haunting of Hill House, do yourself a favor and check out Mike Flanagan's other films. And you might actually like horror. Sorry, but you might. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is this is as much drama as there is in this film. A lot of horror movies have a lot of dramatic elements like this. Um, you might actually be a horror fan. I hate to break it to you. And I want to tell all of my friends that, that are like, I don't like horror, but I really like The Haunting of Hill House. I'm like, well, then you like horror because that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um and it's probably been a long time since you've seen a quality horror movie. You know, you probably saw something as a kid that scared you and then you were afraid to go back to it. Well, I feel um, like most people associate it with like slashers. Like if you're not really familiar with the horror genre, you just kind of think about those kinds of movies. Yeah, I mean, I think people that think about 
horror fans. They think that, yeah, they like Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and, uh, you know, The Ring, maybe. You know, those are the <laughs> those are the immediate go-tos that I think most people think about or like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You know what else I hear people talking about a lot when they say they don't like horror is hostile. And I'm like, that doesn't okay. count. <laughs> You're like, same. Like, why did fine. you watch that? <laughs> why do you not like horror, but you will watch Hostel? Like, you don't like horror, but you chose to watch Hostel? What the fuck yeah. were you thinking? Like, of course <laughs> that's not. Oh, anyway. Um, <clears throat> nothing against people who like Hostel. Uh, I'm just saying it's it's maybe not your first go-to movie. Yeah, seriously. If you're not a horror fan, <laughs> like, <laughs> of course you don't like horror movies after watching that. Yeah. <laughs> Start out slow, people. What you doing? Um, jump right in at first. Like, hey, let's go watch Hannibal, Cannibal Holocaust for our first yeah, movie. My first movie. This is my first horror film experience. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm really, like, phlegmy in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sound, I'm gonna be clearing my throat a lot. You'll, you'll also be hearing a lot of paper turning because I wrote a novel of notes, an extensive amount of notes for this episode. So just be prepared for that. Prepared for me taking coffee sips, me ruffling papers, and um, phlegmy throats. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> da, 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 da. And poor Carly has a migraine, so it's going to be a good We're one. We're in a good shape today. I'm so excited to talk about this, though. Okay, so um, now that I got my I liked Mike Flanagan before it was cool thing out of the way. Although, you know, I have one more thing to say about that because I know, okay, if you've listened to the show a while, you know that I really like Mike Flanagan a lot. Amy's been in love with Mike Flanagan since my first viewing of his first yeah. film. I And we've talked about it heavily. I mean, we for did a whole years. we did Mike Flanagan. We've done every Mike Flanagan movie. Yeah. Um we talk about him a lot. I've I mentioned uh, at one point that I asked him a question at Monster Palooza during his panel and I was very excited about it. Just to touch on that, no one was at that panel and I know if that panel happened again today, it would be a full room. Yeah. People standing in outside like trying to get in. It's just so crazy. It's only been two years and and how how the tables have turned for him. I'm really excited about all the opportunities that are gonna come to him from this. Um I'm super excited to see what else he's going to come out with. And I hope he sticks with horror, at least for a little bit longer. I feel like he will. I feel like that's his that's his thing. That's his wheelhouse. I know. But who knows? Anything could happen. All right. Um, we can start now. All right. Um, so do you want to read the, the summary, uh, the main summary for the whole show? And then we'll go through each episode. I'd love to. They are so growly today. Why are you growling so much? Okay. <laughs> Uh, we are talking about, not the first film, but the whole episode. We are talking about the, the haunting show. of the whole show. <laughs> the, the whole, whole this, this No, this whole episode is what I was saying. Oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> this whole episode of Final Girl Horrorcast, we're talking about the whole series of The Haunting of Hill House from 2018, created, written, and directed by Mike Flanagan, and based on the novel by Shirley Jackson. The summary is... Flashing between past and present, a fractured family confronts haunting memories of their old home and terrifying events that drove them from it. So I think that's a pretty good overall yeah. summary. Um, it's very fixated on the family element. Uh, we'll get into each family member. Um, I really 
uh, I w- initial thoughts before watching the the show. I know you waited quite a bit to watch this show. This was your first viewing. I this I watched this twice, uh, once just again for the show. Um, but what were your thoughts leading up to watching the show and expectations there? I was so excited to watch this show. Um, but you waited a-, a while. Was there a reason for that? Yeah, because October I was doing my horror movie a day. Um, and so I was watching movies every single day in October and I really wanted, I knew that I was going to get really into this. And so I wanted to wait so I could give it the attention that it deserves. Um, I was very, obviously Mike Flanagan, my interest was immediately peaked. And then we have some very familiar faces. Uh, we've got Dario from Game of Thrones. We've got a couple people from Grey's Anatomy. So I was like, all right, this is great. I'm in. (laughs) Like, and you love Grey's Anatomy. I fucking love Grey's Anatomy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, excuse me if I like refer to characters by their total wrong names. That's okay. I'll just, about I'll just correct it. <laughs> like I do. <laughs> the obnoxious um, bitch I am. It's great, though. I need it. Um, so, yeah, I definitely wanted till I could like, I wanted to binge watch this. I wanted to really just like eat it up. And I'm happy that I waited because I don't. Yeah, October. Watching a movie a day is hard. <laughs> it is hard. I don't. I don't. I didn't have the time for it this year. I really wanted to, and I was like, I, I can't. I can barely keep up with watching the movies for the show right now, and life is just <laughs> so busy. Um, but uh, yeah, I. You know, funny enough is when I found out he was doing this, I was like, okay, like I know that's an old novel, and I don't know what to expect there i don't know why i just you know how much i love him but i just like i don't know it didn't sound exciting to me mm-hmm. um and even when watching it um i didn't really get into the show until like episode three or four um i don't know why i think it starts off a little slow um for me um mm-hmm. and and he does such good character building and everything he does makes absolute sense but i don't I don't know why I just I had trouble sitting still and watching the first few episodes rewatching it. However, I felt very different about everything. Um, I think I wasn't fully giving it all of the attention it deserved when I when I first watched it. <clears throat> so it, it took me a while, surprisingly, to get into this. Uh, a lot of people felt opposite. A lot of people f- were super into it right away. Uh, I was not one of those people, but um, I think it yeah, was just was, the frame of I was mind. Into it. Yeah, I think it was just the frame of mind I was in when I started it. it um, it's a, no, because I remember you saying that because you were like, it's slow. And I was like, no, I loved the first episode. You're like, it really gets good around episode six, I think is what you told me. And well, episode six is just amazing. It's yeah, I agree. It yeah. is. It's the best episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think if. I don't know. I just, I wasn't excited about it, but you know, by the third or fourth episode, I was, I couldn't stop watching it. Uh, it just took me a minute to get there. Um, I, I'm, I know that's not how most people feel about it and I'm glad. I, again, I think it was just my frame of mind, uh, my preparedness for the, the severity of the story. It's very deep and a lot of, a lot of stuff going on with a lot of people. So, um, but yeah, I loved it. So I guess with that, we can uh, let, we'll quickly discuss the the entrance music and uh, title sequence for this sh- um, show before we start talking about the episodes. But um, 
you know what's kind of weird is the whole beginning sequence, it sounds, it feels so much like a Game of Thrones or like totally. Westworld entrance yeah. to me. And I couldn't find anything about who actually did the, I don't know, who actually created it. I thought maybe it, he hired someone like for, that did the Westworld and Game of Thrones uh, song to do it. Um, but it wasn't. It's a different person. Um, it feels like a lot of shows are going that route. Yeah. It just looks cool. It does look so cool. It gets you right in the mood. Really good music. Creepy. House turns into a maze kind of thing. Very cool. Um, I do appreciate the uh, entrance, but I also appreciate how Netflix lets you skip it. After Same. you watch, it makes you watch it the first episode. Do you ever notice that? When you watch the first episode, it doesn't give you the option to skip it. But after the first episode, it gives you the option to skip it. Yeah. Which is cool. Watch it the I first like it. time. You need to watch it at least once. It's really 100%. Cool. Yeah. I watched it a couple it, get, times. Get into the vibes, know who everybody is. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's start with uh, our first episode. It's called Steven Sees a Ghost. The IMDb summary is, while investigating a ghost story for his latest novel, a skeptical Stephen receives a call from his sister that triggers a chain of fateful events. So, uh, just to to talk about uh, what, what Carly and I did when we were watching these, uh, we, we rated each on our own rating system, so it's not going to be congruent at all. Um, <laughs> And I also did a um, personal scare-o-meter based on how scared I was uh, watching the episode. I will say that um, I wish I did that the first time I watched it because a lot of the scares aren't as uh, effective. effective. They just weren't as strong the second time watching them. Gotcha. (laughs) I knew it was happening. I knew it was coming. So um, I don't think it had the same effect on me. But I tried to recreate how I felt the first time watching it. So I think um, in terms of scares, uh, I do remember, uh, again, as I said before, feeling the same way my husband felt trying to watch this is a lot of tension, especially in the cold open where there's a lot of really wide, um, wide screenshots, Um, a lot of stuff that's drawing your eye to the background, Um, a lot of slow zooms, even when unnecessary to create so much tension um, eyes playing tricks on you at every turn. You know, there's a jacket hung in the background. You're like, is that a ghost? What is that? What mm-hmm. is <laughs> um, Which does come, come to fruition at one point when we see Nell uh, sleeping and you see the, the broke neck lady in the background. Um, it's a really, really good uh, episode. I like this one a lot. Um but yeah, I think especially in that cold open is really fucking smart, um, really creepy without actually seeing anything creepy. I agree. And I think that's kind of, I don't know, maybe that's why I was like, yeah, there's not like a ton in here until the end. But it is very creepy and it builds up and you're definitely aware that you're watching a creepy horror movie, a ghost movie, a ghost story. Oh, wait, you don't even see, do you see the Brooke? You don't even see the Brooke neck lady in this episode. My apologies. I don't know. No, you don't. You just it. see her hair. You just you see her see, hair. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know that she's floating above the couch, yeah. but you don't see her. Yeah. Um, this is a, a big, this is big on Steven, our oldest, the oldest of the children. 
um, and his life, how he wrote a novel based on uh, what happened at Hill House, but also how he doesn't have any memories of being haunted. He doesn't have any memories of ghosts. He felt like an outsider. Um, You get to understand that he's really retelling other people's stories. um, And he doesn't, he even tells uh, the woman, like, I've never seen a ghost. Um, I don't know. Steven's a very interesting character. Um, He's really the denier of everything. Um, We'll go through this later, but each of the children represent a different, um, a a different form of um, the stages of grief. So Stephen really represents that denial. So you'll see, you know, throughout the whole show, he is the one that's trying to base everything on reality, trying to base everything on um, fact and science, um, even when there's no science there to support it. Um, And he goes through that and and says, you know, things like, um, you know, just because we don't understand the science behind it yet doesn't mean it's not based through science. So, you know, there's not a reasonable explanation for things. Um, so you really kind of get a feel for his character in this uh, in this episode. Yeah, he's really tried to make it his life's work to like almost debunk these ghost theories. Exactly. Um, we also get a little background into what happens um throughout the the story and and what happens to the children we know that the child that dad takes the kids out of the house um we know that mom is not alive anymore mm-hmm. and um that the kids end up living with their aunt janet that's really all we know we don't get a lot of back and forth here we we start out slow um i like how they give you a base uh, they give you a basic uh, understanding of what happened in the past, but you don't really understand any of it. Only that, okay, the kids were taken out because of something. The mother is not alive anymore. It was a suicide. And now the ki- the kids grew up with Aunt Janet. They didn't grow up with their father. So right. those are really just the basic things we find out here. Um, we also find out at the very end of the episode that the youngest sister, Nell, has committed suicide or what they think is suicide and um and that steven finally sees his first ghost at the end of the episode or what he thinks is his first ghost ghost. yes (laughs) (laughs) um i think especially the ending of this movie really pulls you in Um, oh yeah really makes you want to hit go again for that second episode um I love the imagery too of yeah. him on the phone mm-hmm. and she's in the background. Yeah. I mean, he and was then, talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> like she was there. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's so chilling. And you're like, okay, I feel like this is a great first episode. I feel like it sets up um, the family. It sets up the story. And then it like at the end, it really like sets up like you got to be paying attention. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really good creepy moments. Again, I think the end is probably the creepiest. Um, I think, uh, you know, just hearing little baby Nell, she's the cutest thing ever. Talk about the broke neck lady, uh, is pretty fucking terrifying. Her little voice. Mike Flanagan's great at picking young actors. I can't get over it. Like how adorable freaking baby Luke is. Oh my God. I like, I can't. 
I want to keep him. <laughs> we'll talk about it more when we get to his his oh, episode. But guys, oh my god, he is! Just, I can't handle it. His little voice and his little glasses. His little glasses, please. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I know. I have uh, quite a few. Luke is just baby. Luke is just the cutest. I can't uh, when he's okay. We'll talk about it later. I do uh-huh. right here. I have uh, I have a note that just says treehouse exclamation point. Baby Luke is so cute. It's accurate. <laughs> it's so accurate. He's so cute, and he just wants Steve to play with him. Yeah, I, I <sighs> do want. Oh, and I also want to mention before Steven sees his first ghost, and he runs into Luke in the lobby of his uh, apartment building. That whole moment. You think so much you know what's happening there. Yeah. And when you actually find out like two episodes later what's actually happening there, it is like so wonderful when you start to see things from other people's point of view. It really opens the story up. And it's so, it's such a wonderful way to tell a story. Um, I I feel like that's one of my favorite things about this show. And I feel like there's so many times where I will see a movie Mm -hmm. and I will like get the gist of it, but like, I wish I was given more. And so like, I'm so happy that this is a series rather than a movie Mm -hmm. because like you really get everything and the way that like Mike Flanagan plays everything out. It's just so perfect. Like it's so good. It's so good for moments like that. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it's um, just to bring something up that I think you'll appreciate. I don't know if any of our listeners will. Um, but I was watching How I Met Your Mother yesterday, yes. <laughs> which I don't usually do. I like that show, but I haven't watched it in a while. And the episode <laughs> that was on was the one where, um, you know, Lily takes uh, Robin and um, what's his face to um, to an art showing and the captain's there. Yes. And um, they each tell the story from their own points of view and how the story just changes and changes each time um that's i mean it's totally it's a totally ridiculous episode and i love it It was funny <laughs> but like that's how this is i mean yes. you're you're told the story very simply and then adding to it and adding to it and everything that's happening makes sense even though it's changing uh 100%. it's meaning yeah so if you're familiar with that episode, yes! <laughs> that's what this whole thing is i love it Okay. Uh, anything else to add? Do you want to give uh, your rating for this episode? Uh, I rated this episode an eight and a half. Out of ten? Out of ten. Okay. Well, are we doing one through five? Because I can adjust. You can if- do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Just tell me your own rating and I'll tell you my. It doesn't have to be the same rating system. Okay. Um, I gave fun. this three and a half stars out of five. Okay. Um, if we're going to do one through five, then I can, I'm can. i going to change it to a four. I feel okay. that strongly about it. Okay. I really like <laughs> it. I, the, the three and a half is, I mean, this is not a rating on like a normal scale. This is a rating uh, based only on the episodes of the series. So if that makes sense, you know, I'm not rating this con- considering other things, uh, considering other shows. I'm just considering it totally. based on other shows, based on other episodes of this show. Um I have my scarometer at a four for this episode. A lot of really good tension, not any really big scares here. Yeah, I agree with that. I Um, concur. Which is a great way to start it off. I think this show gets progressively scarier (laughs) as it goes. Oh, 100%. Although, maybe not. Maybe not. Let's see. I I think it does, because there's definitely moments, like, I wasn't particularly, like, scared in this first episode. Okay. I definitely felt that tension, and I was like, oh, shit. 
But there are times in the end where I like legitimately like got chills. And I was like, oh, that is a thing that just happened. But when we get to episode four, I might prove you wrong there because I think that might be one of the scariest ones. Cool. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. So moving on to episode two. Do you want to read the summary for that one? I do. Episode two is Open Casket. The IMDb summary is, a devastating family tragedy stirs memories of traumatic losses, reminding Shirley of her first brush with death and awakening long dormant fears. Okay. So I, I gave a name to this one of Shirley's episode. Now, a lot of, a lot of these episodes, not all, but a lot of these episodes concentrate on one character. Um, and it starts off with Stephen, and, and we have actually go back to Stephen at one point. Um, not to say that there aren't other characters involved, but they're mostly fixated on that character, especially in the past. Um, so this is very, this is very much a Shirley centric episode. Now Shirley is our oldest daughter. She is the second oldest of the family. Um, and uh, just to talk about her character in general, she is the uh, the stage of grief uh, anger. Okay. So they go from oldest to youngest in terms of the stages of grief. So she's the second, she's anger. And um, she's a very angry character. I mean, she's, she is. she's never happy. I don't see, she never has a moment, of, not that any of them are happy, but she is like, I would not want to be in a room with this woman ever. She is terrifying. I feel like you really learn why what she's carrying. Yeah, I mean there's there's absolutely reason for it. She feels so uptight the entire series pretty much. Yeah. And you're like, why is she such a bitch? Yeah. Like she's literally like just she just seems like a miserable human. But I'm she also does. completely fascinated by her and like how she kind of like her profession and like how it how much I don't know, like she's fascinating to me. I agree. She is, um, she's a very complicated character. She actually was not uh, a character in the original novel. Mike Flanagan created her for this series. Um, and her name is actually, uh, based, is taken from Shirley Jackson, who obviously wrote the novel. Um, and she is a very complicated character and I really like her a lot. Um, Elizabeth, uh, Reaser, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, who, if you're a Mike Flanagan person you'll remember her from ouija origin of evil she plays the mother you'll um, also remember her from gray's anatomy <laughs> she played jane doe aka ava <laughs> okay and also from twilight oh yeah as she's they call the mother it in twilight <laughs> all our <laughs> listeners love twilight so much they're just eagerly awaiting that episode <laughs> they now they know what they knew her from they weren't sure before now they know now they know um <laughs> This episode is um, is really great. Um, I especially love um, how we we see Shirley de- learning to deal with grief and how she learned to deal with grief, which is you know not super healthy and for reasons we understand. I mean, she's she's a mortician, so it's her job to deal with death every day. To as she puts it, fix fix the bodies, right? She's the she's the one making them look like they looked before, so that other people can process their grief in a less scary way. Exactly. Um, we see her taking in the past taking care of these kittens. 
um, which are just the cutest. And unfortunately, they just don't make it. Um, I, I really, I like, I like this episode. I like seeing everything from Shirley's point of view. I think she's a very interesting character. She, we, and when we have each uh, character storyline, we find out how they found out about Nell's death. So we also get to see her um, finding out about this anger that she feels when she immediately anger when she finds out Nell is dead. Uh Um, She immediately goes to anger and blame. um, And it's just so indicative of her character. And I I just, I I really feel for her in general, but I also find her the most terrifying character in this entire story. I do. And I don't, because you definitely, I feel like you definitely know something's going on. Because she's very, she's got that very hard exterior, Mm -hmm. um, but she also is very giving. Yeah, like she, she. I feel like her grief is just like completely running her life, and she wants to like helping people process their grief, and also like we we learn that she's. she runs a business, but like a lot of things she does for free or she cuts costs yeah. or she like her business is basically in trouble because she is too giving in that respect. But, you know, it's also kind of self-serving because it probably makes her feel better Yeah, at the end of the day as sure. well. Um, so, yeah, I feel like she is just a completely fascinating and very like honest character, like I believe that she exists somewhere. And she's also a bit of a denier in terms of the whole ghost thing. I mean, yes. Stephen's their main denier, but I feel like as the older children who dealt with this, uh, they were able to process it in a healthier, um, more productive way than the younger kids were because the younger kids stuck stuck to it. You know, it, it, they knew it was real when they were younger. And I think when you're older and if you experience something like this, you might be able to rationalize it away a lot easier than you can if you're younger and you see it. So, um it's interesting to also see her processing these things differently than you will see her uh the younger children processing. Um sorry if our Audio quality just got a little bit better. Carly was not using the right microphone by accident. I was that. No worries. I was using my uh, my my computer microphone. So, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> no worries. We're we're back on now. Okay. Um. So I think that I think that this episode's really great. We also uh, at this point we'll see um, Shirley helping a little boy deal with the death of his grandmother. Ooh, that little boy, by the way, holy shit, he has some creepy stories, doesn't he? Oh my god, <laughs> he's so creepy. Grandma staring at him while he's sleeping, and she doesn't. Her eyes must hurt because she doesn't blink. Fuck yes. Fuck no. Stop it. Um, I also we also get the to see part of Nell's wedding and Shirley stopping Luke from coming to Luke to Nell's wedding because he's still on drugs, um, which is. At the at this point, from Shirley's point of view, we we back her right because the only time we've seen Luke is him stealing from his brother and basically being a piece of shit. So, right. um, well, I think that obviously changes over time. I think in this episode specifically, I didn't really feel bad for Luke. I was like, yeah, sh- yeah, Shirley's taking care of shit. 
in that moment, I actually did feel bad for Luke. Um, but I also understood Shirley's perspective. Like she's protecting her sister, obviously. Yeah. But then I also, I don't know, like I also felt bad for Luke. Maybe it's just because his baby glasses are so cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like he was there. He, she tried to show up and be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but I get it. For, I, got, I got it from both sides. Yeah. I didn't blame Shirley. I, I think that she thought she was doing the right thing. I think so, too. Um, we also find out Shirley just spent $6,000 on Luke to be in recovery yes. for one month, which is a crazy amount of money, uh, especially when you're trying to raise a family and run a company. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's some resentment there. You can feel also where we know that was hard for her to do financially, and yet she's still willing to to put everything on the line to help him. And then he shows up high, you know, I can understand that being uh, a n- not okay moment also. And he also, he lies to her and yeah. says that he like, Oh yeah, if you got a day pass, I pay your bills. I know you haven't been showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like this episode a lot. We get um, a lot of Shirley with her mom. Um, the mom talking about the forever house showing her drawings of the forever house the house they plan to move to after hill house that they're going to build um because they move around a lot and it's you know it's something to look forward to they'll all have a home uh to come home to um it's kind of their light at the end of the tunnel because yeah. nobody really likes living at hill house exactly i mean they, they they think hill house is cool initially but like yeah it's it's once it starts creepy. to get weird they're like i just don't want to be here yeah you know there's a really funny and there's a great scene also which i think is the scariest scene of the episode is when shirley and theo are in the bedroom and and they're all mad at each other she's like why are you banging on the wall and she's like i'm not mm-hmm. banging on the wall. and then there's banging uh that goes crazy um and dad comes in and says it's just the pipes just come on ghost watch i hope that's a ghost watch reference <laughs> start calling the ghost pipes i wouldn't be surprised uh, i wouldn't either i'm sure mike flanagan knows about ghost watch <laughs> um okay all in all great i mean i could talk about this episode a little longer but this will go forever if i do that um, i love how aggressive the walls get oh my god any of the wall banging scenes oh, oh we get another I one i think later. that's one of those like chills moments yeah. where i was like okay this just got it like takes it to just the perfect Moment. level yes. where like it's not too it's not too little where you're like all right whatever it can be explained away sure it's like the perfect amount and especially when it goes all around you're yeah. like what the fuck and it goes just a little longer than you think it will go but it's yes. not yeah but like you said it's not excessive it's just it's just the right amount even though you think the right amount slightly less than what it does <laughs> yeah so good um okay so overall i gave this one um three stars um, i think 3.5 and i gave it on the scarometer i gave it a five i found it a little bit more frightening than the last one i like it Okay, let's move on to moving right along. Gotta move a little <laughs> faster. We are so slow. Uh, moving on to episode three called Touch. Uh, this one was also, uh, in addition to Mike Flanagan, was also written by Elizabeth Ann Feng, who um, wrote a couple episodes of The Colony and The Strain. 
the IMDb summary is, Keenly perspective Theo sees shades of herself in a troubled young patient, a girl who's haunted by the menacing grin of Mr. Smiley. This is one of my favorite episodes. Same. I love the imagery of Mr. Smiley. It's terrifying. Super creepy. I love Theo. I think I relate to her on a... The most, I think, out of all the characters. Um, I, I like her a lot. I think she's very interesting, very well written. And um, yeah, just this is a really great episode to me. Um, um, we also, it's great. She's great. Yes. Uh, Kate Siegel, mm-hmm. who we know is Mike Flanagan's wife, plays her, plays Theo. And um, I think she does a great job. Um, Theo has magical powers. She is, she I mean, we, we find out um, throughout the show, especially in this episode, that um, Liv, the mother character, um, has has some uh, seeing abilities uh, to the other side. Um, we also find out that Theo is able to feel and see things by touching, by touching them and people, um, which she does not like. And so she wears gloves uh, so she can control it. She's very much our control character. She is the bargaining uh, part, uh, form of grief that we go through. Um, so you see her um, going back and forth, especially in this episode, taking her gloves off and also putting them back on. You know, mm-hmm. she has her ways of going back and forth. Um, I find her. The, I think she's one of the more interesting characters, uh, which is why this episode is is so uh, effective to me. Um, she is very complicated and as even in like the, the throwback episodes where she's younger, she's very, um, smart and thoughtful, um, and good with talking to people and comforting people. Um, so when she's older and she becomes, um, a child psychiatrist or, or whatever she is, um, you can see how she got there. You know, she yes. has this talent, even without her, her ability. I feel like she still could have gone that way because she's very good at talking to people and making sure they feel understood. Um, and listening. You're listening. No, she's, uh, she's really great at listening. Oh yes. She's very good at listening. Um, we also, she dances to uh cold hearted snake by Paula Abdul. Which <laughs> yes. <laughs> obviously makes her the coolest one um let's see um this so this is the scene or this is the episode where uh baby luke is in the the thing right the, the dumb waiter yeah yeah i was like get him out of there <laughs> i was like this episode what are you doing le- to baby luke <laughs> this episode's legit scary that is uh that moment is very terrifying yeah he's oh in the dumb God. waiter and um theo knows that he's not allowed to go in the dumbwaiter but he really wants to so she's fine she you know she tries to bring him up but he goes down and he goes mm-hmm. down into this to the basement and there is something down there that is and he is like so sweet good. about it he's like um okay bring me up now yeah like we're going the wrong way yeah yeah um oh, terrifying terrifying yes. oh my god poor luke I was like, literally, my heart stopped for him. I was like, oh, my God, get him out of there. Like, oh, that's why you're a drug addict. Okay, understood. (laughs) We get it. We forgive you. Numb yourself, man. Would you like some more heroin? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, it's so heartbreaking. May I offer you some heroin, sir? I Jesus. understand completely. Yeah, it's uh terrifying to see. So terrifying. Yeah, legit terrifying. I wrote and put a big exclamation point next to it. It was oh my god, seeing that thing creep out and like the lighting is so perfect, like. It's so terrifying. And after she's remembering this, you know, she's having this memory. She wakes up from her dream and Mr. Smiley's at the end of her bed. And it's mm-hmm. fucking nah, nah. big jump scare there. That one got me. It got me both times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I also like this is the episode we find out Theo is a lesbian mm-hmm. and uh, how her family found out she's a lesbian, which she did not tell them. They just found out because she I was making it. out with a bridesmaid in the bathroom at the wedding, <laughs> at the wedding. <laughs> and then dancing very sexily with the bridesmaid at the wedding. I love it. I love like everybody's reaction to yes. it. I love when they're watching Shirley yeah. <laughs> and they see they're like betting on how long it's going to take her to notice. I don't even think that happens in this episode, but that oh, is, is it. It doesn't. <laughs> but it, it is hilarious when that happens. I think I that's love a it. few episodes later. Um, oh, I think you're right. Yeah. But it, <laughs> that is a really good moment. So good. Um, yeah. Um, and I. I feel like we also get like Nell is just the sweetest and I love how we just get random glimpses like we haven't had a Nell episode yet um but we already know who Nell is to a to a certain extent you know we know she's the sweet one that loves everyone no matter what she's the one and I think a lot of times you see this with younger the youngest siblings after something tragic happens they don't remember it the same way as everyone else so they you know, are easy, have an easier time forgiving. You know, she seems to have an easier time forgiving her father and seems to have an easier time uh, accepting her sister and um, accepting all of her siblings. Um, she never really blames Stephen or, or really gets mad at him until, you know, a little later on when she has a little bit of a mental break. But mm-hmm. it's it's a very, I love how we get glimpses of her throughout these earlier episodes um, and how loving she is. Yeah, we never get is. like one episode that's her. Right. Yeah, we do. We do. The broke oh. neck lady one is is all. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like she's a constant throughout. Yes. Everything. Yes. Um. I also like how how we also get uh, Theo here basically being a superhero. Like she knows something's not right with this young girl she's helping. Mm-hmm. She goes to the foster family's house and finds out that this guy is raping this poor little girl mm-hmm. and. Uh, basically gets him arrested you know she's a badass she's awesome she puts up walls um but also takes them down when she thinks she has to and um really good glimpse into her character here really effective episode some good jump scares um some good vulnerable moments um we also get uh, the mother-daughter talk. You know, we see Liv talking to young Theo and uh, giving her her first pair of gloves and mm-hmm. explaining to her, like, I understand your grandma was this way and and, and supporting her and, and acknowledging how she was different, which most people deny. And, you know, all of her siblings deny her, except for Nell, obviously. But like everyone else, like they think she's making it up or she's weird or, or what have you. Um, so... That's kind of how we get our introduction to her. This is one of my favorite episodes. I gave this one four and a half stars. Same. And I rated it on my scarometer as a six. 
which maybe even a seven actually, but I, I think I would do seven. Six. Yeah. This, this was a scary episode. It is a scary episode. Cause you have a lot of um, stuff that's going on with the family, but then like, obviously fuck baby Luke that <laughs> terrified me. Um, but also the very realness of the foster family and Mr. Smiley is completely terrifying. Yeah. And I like how the scary thing that happens to Theo in this story, I mean, it's she's never alone when it's happening. You know, she's got Shirley with her when the when the wall banging thing happens in mm-hmm. the last episode. And then she has Theo or she has um Luke and she in her fear is that he's not going to be believed. This is her main fright, is having to deal with no one believing him and him being in actual trouble. And she really goes above and beyond to help him and to prove that. That there's re- a basement. That there's a basement and, and everything. And then her mom, you really see her mom really believe in her. So it's mm-hmm. a really good episode. Okay. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay. Uh, episode four, the twin thing. Uh, also written by Scott Kozer, um, who did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the Amity- Amityville remake, and the Crazies remake, mm-hmm. as well as the Machinist. Yeah. So he's a big remaker. Big, big, but good writer, I think, yeah. overall. Those are mostly good. The Machinist uh, is amazing. The Machinist is amazing, and I am a huge fan of the Crazies. Me too. Um so the IMDb summary is still wrestling with addiction and an unshakable fright. A frantic Luke tries to save a friend while sensing his twin sister is in danger. I love this episode. I, Me too. I Luke is amazing. Yes. Um, I love seeing all of this from his perspective because up until this point, we're seeing him through everyone else's eyes. And thinking one thing is happening, and then we really get a switch here. We really start to see his battles and Mm -hmm. the fact that he wasn't lying most of the time, and he really was uh, trying to do the right thing in most uh, places. And um, He's got a big heart. He's a really beautiful character with a lot of inner demons, and he's trying to fight them. And I think that it's just like, you know, it, it, everybody, addiction is such a hard thing that like really needs to be uh, something that wants to be gotten over Mm -hmm. by the person who's dealing with it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you really get that sense with Luke that he's really trying. He's really trying his best. Yeah, he's, um, he, this story would not be the same without him at all. No. I mean, we really need him. He's our depression stage of, of our uh, grief stages. Um, he really is. Uh, he's got the darker visions of everything. I think he remember out of everyone. I think he remembers most clearly the supernatural elements of, of the people we've seen so far. Um, he's the one that was like because he was actually like grabbed by this thing a lot of the shit i feel like the the worst of it happened a lot of the worst of it happened to him i know we got Mm nelly also but um no one seems to realize how much shit luke has seen because no one believes him except for uh luckily we have uh theo believing him in the last episode but it seems like a lot of the stuff he's saying you know no one believes that abigail is real and nobody uh believes he's seeing these things and um 
he, he it's uh, that would depress anyone that would that would throw anyone into addiction you know going your whole life feeling like like you're afraid and no one believes your fear no one can substantiate your fear and that's um it's pretty terrifying and um the old lady imagery is completely terrifying oh yeah yeah this one is is uh, I, but be, i mean we need to talk about the floaty giant ghost with a cane because that is oh my god to me the scariest he reminds me of the gentleman <laughs> it is yeah because of the floating yeah and i like think it's very just, slow he's like just so tall he's yeah huge and luke is so small too we really i feel like I wonder if he's, I mean, I think we find out he really is that tall, um, but it feels even taller because he's so much bigger than Luke. I mean, when yeah. Luke goes out into the hallway and you don't even really see the guy at first, and usually when we see ghosts in movies or shows like this, it, 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 it'll quickly show it. But I think the fear is so much stronger here because they hold on this ghost they don't shoot away. They don't look no. away. Um, and he just maintains there. And he's just yes. kind of an image in the background as Luke is like slowly counting and trying to like take his mechanisms that he's used throughout his life. This is kind like, of like, this is a really scary scene. This is one of the scariest scenes to me in the entire episode when this, when you just hear the cane and you know he's coming in the room and you can see his shadow and Luke is under the bed and, um, he just wanted his hat back. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go taking ghost hats, guys. Nope. They um, will follow you forever. <laughs> no, it's really great. Um I think easily one of the scariest scenes in the entire that's the entire show, uh, by far. Um I also really like to see um Luke breaking into Steve's house. And where he actually is at when that happens. Um, how he's really just trying to help Joey. He's not even concerned about himself. He's trying to help his friend. And mm-hmm. um, he really isn't using. He really is clean. He's really trying to do the right thing. Uh, and he's cold because his sister died. You know, he keeps mm-hmm. saying uh, throughout this. He wakes this, up with a, with a painful neck. He keeps yes. talking about how he like slept on it wrong. Yes. His neck like, hurts. His joints are stiffening. Mm-hmm. Um, he's cold, um, you know, which is why this is called a, a twin thing. He knows yeah. when his sister is in trouble or not feeling well. They have they have that twin sensibilities. Um Really, just honestly, uh, this is my favorite. I will say it right now, this is my favorite episode. Um, I really love how this ties into all the other episodes we've seen so far. And so much emotion, such good scares. Uh, this is, to me, the best one. Um, and there's other great episodes, but I don't know why. This one just, this is the one I could watch over and over again. Uh, five stars for me and an eight on my scarometer. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite episodes as well. Um, I would give it a five. I feel like you learned so much about. This is when it, the story really opens up and you yeah. understand everything a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on. Moving we didn't right talk. Along. We didn't talk about his counting thing, but we guess we can go back to that later. I briefly, I briefly touched on it with the guy, That's his coping true. mechanism. He has like kind of like an OCD element, and I'm. It makes me wonder. I mean, I'm sure there are other 
if I really thought about it and got my psychology textbook out, I could figure <laughs> out, you know, some of the other representations of mental illness we see uh, in this. Um, you know, there's so many articles and um, interviews out there and videos, which one of which is on modernhorrors.com that Mike Flanagan actually retweeted this morning, which was very oh, exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of things out there. If you're really into getting into the nitty gritty of of those types of details, uh, all the ghosts in the background, things like that, there's a lot of things out there for you to absorb. Um, we're not going to go too much into it. But um, yeah, it's really exciting to to start reading those things and looking into those things. But yeah, he definitely has an OCD quality with his counting and his controlling um, of his fear. It's how he controls his fear and how he, you know, a lot of times when you have OCD, you're counting and you're um, the obsessive, the, the obsessive compulsiveness of it is you're doing it so that nothing bad happens to your family members or mm -hmm. the, your loved ones. A lot of people with OCD believe that, you know, I have to turn the light switch seven times or else my mother's going to die. You know, they're, they're, this is a real thing that a lot of people deal with. So when he says he's counting to seven for one of each of the family members, um, it's really, it's really eye opening, and 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 it does feel like it's on a level with the OCD thing. But that's how he's controlling his his way of controlling the situation. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, we have the bent neck lady, which is episode five, which is also written by Meredith Averill, uh, who wrote some episodes of Jane the Virgin and American Gothic. The IMDb summary is a dark specter with an unsettling silhouette has haunted Nell since she was a girl. Now the bent neck lady is back and she's calling Nell home. This is also a really strong episode. I really love Nell. Um, she's such a sweet, sad character. If you like want to cry... This is the episode for you. I feel like I was bawling the entire thing because we see her fall in love and we mm. see him die. And he is the best thing ever. He really is. And their love is so wonderful. And it's so tragic. You know, I, I love how Mike Flanagan uh, has given us so many glimpses of her and who she is as a person. And then I don't know how. In a 50-minute episode, you can make me feel so strongly for someone who has very few lines, but I feel so strongly for him. And I guess it's thanks to that montage of love. But uh, there's definitely just, a montage I mean, in the way that they met, too. Like, that yes. first, their first encounter and how they're kind of flirting. And she's like, oh, are you asking me how for coffee? <laughs> when he's like, do you drink coffee? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, it's so sweet. And it, it just is. really like encapsules, I feel like, who she is and what she really deserves, but what she doesn't get. And to go back to the the whole people believing you thing, he believes her off the bat. And she has gone her whole life with her family members telling her she's dreaming when she sees the bent neck lady. She's gone mm -hmm. her whole life being told that. So to meet someone and they immediately believe her that she's dealing with this this very real thing she knows she says her doctor just tells her not to sleep with the television on you know that's not she knows that's not gonna fix shit she wasn't sleeping with the tv on when she was a little girl <laughs> right know? um to have someone who gave her a reason for what was happening to her even if it wasn't the right reason and was able to help her through it 
um, was really able to hold her hand yes. and believe her and yes. help her through yes. what she was experiencing when she was experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And Just she, to even be able to find someone like that is To have amazing. an instant support system. I mean, mm-hmm. she basically had an instant support system and he was lovely. Mm. R.I.P. Poor Arthur. Poor Arthur. Um. But yeah, I and really to be sitting there and she can't even do anything. Oh, she's my God. Frozen. Oh, my God. Have you I mean, I've, I think I've spoken to this on the show before. I I grew up with sleep paralysis. Um, I luckily and thankfully have not had it in a very long time. I want to say at least four or five years. Um, but there was a period of time where I had it weekly um, starting at maybe age 11. So. I this episode is particularly frightening to me because I I understand how scary that is in real life mm-hmm. and how horrible it is when you see something terrifying happening and you can't do anything about it. Um and you know his uh him helping her through it. You know, it's really funny because as someone with sleep paralysis, even if you have someone sleeping next to you or in the same room as you, you might think you're being loud or, or making a lot of noise, but you're not. Um, I've always had to go through this alone, knowing someone was right next to me and could easily knock me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really a terrifying thing. And to see Arthur noticing this in her and helping her is like, oh my God, I wish I had that. <laughs> like almost immediately. Yes. Like, I oh mean, my she God. whimpers once and yeah. he's like there. Yeah. He just, he senses it. Um, that's like a dream for real. Like if uh, yeah. that would be amazing. You know how many times I've like woken up and be like, why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> I didn't know. I remember getting really mad at my mom the first time it happened. I didn't know what it was happening to me. Um, and this was before the internet was very big and you couldn't really look things up. And my mom had no idea. She thought I was just sleeping. And I was like, I was screaming. I was screaming so loud. My throat hurt. Why couldn't you hear me? Why didn't you come wake me up? And um, she's like, you were just dreaming. And I was like, no, it was real. I was awake. <laughs> I couldn't move. <laughs> um, That's so scary. Yeah. But now but now that we know more about it, um, it's nice to, to see at least someone getting woken up <laughs> in this terrible, yeah. in this terrible moment. Um, but yeah, Nell's a great character. I mean, they're all great characters, but, um, we see the hotel for the, for one of the, I think this is the first time we see the hotel. Um, and Nell, when Nell decides she's going to go back to the house, Mm -hmm. um, she tells off Steve, we see her tell off Steve, which feels so manic. Um, it does. It really does. She hits a moment after where she just becomes manic. Uh, after Arthur's gone and the bent neck lady killed him, which he, which didn't happen, right? I mean, it, the bent neck lady didn't really kill him. No, because she's the bent neck lady. Exactly. Um, but maybe he saw her and then the aneurysm happened. I guess that's possible. Um, but I don't know. It's um, it's really a heartbreaking episode. It's definitely a tearjerker. I feel like I cried a lot of it. And um also really beautifully done, really great s- storytelling here. Um, there's a whole cup of stars uh, thing we get here for the first time, too. Uh, Nell is gifted. Um, she finds the tea set. 
A tea set. Yeah, the house gives her a tea set um, with her cup of stars. And um, it's really representative of, of individuality and and not being afraid to insist on your individuality, um, being not being afraid to go against the grain. Um, we have Mrs. Dudley kind of explaining how, you know, she and the, the girl whose tea set it was really insisted on having, telling her to insist on having her cup of stars, insist on don't be so quick to, to grow up and disbelieve things and, mm-hmm. and become everybody else. Um, so it's really representative of our character. I, I think this is a bigger part in the novel. I read that it was very, uh, more meaningful and, and more, uh, central to the novel but uh, it's nice that it's it's in here as well um i don't know well and we have uh live mentions it a lot in the later episodes yeah okay um so to do a quick rating for episode five um the bent neck lady i'm gonna give it a four and a half uh again one of my more favorite episodes tearjerker total tearjerker um yeah i can i concur okay it's it's not as scary i don't think um which is funny because i feel like Nell is the most terrified (laughs) throughout most of it yeah um she's also representative of acceptance i didn't mention that earlier her stage of grief is acceptance um which it makes a lot of sense. She's the one to really believe all of this and under she understands it the best, I think, out of everyone besides maybe dad. Um, so I definitely again, understand okay. that there's not like a huge fear aspect or scary, I guess. But like that mm-hmm. imagery of like when she's hanging and she's like falling through oh, all really the things is, is just oh, we like didn't even talk about that. It's so good. Yeah. The realization that she is the bent neck lady yeah. is chilling. It's chilling. It's chilling, but it it makes so much sense. And the second you see her fall and then fall and mm-hmm. then fall, it's just so well crafted. Um, I love how it ties into the jump scare moment we get when she falls in the uh, the vending machine area of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, really, really great. You're right. Um, I, I gave this one a five on my scarometer, even though it's not, it's really not one of the more scarier films, but there is a lot of chilling moments for sure. I like it. Okay. Okay. So this is, uh, running a lot longer than we planned. And because we don't want to rush through everything, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode now. And I will also be putting up a second episode to go through the rest of the series. Um, we weren't originally planning to do that. I thought we could talk about these a little quicker than we are. So uh, that's that's where we're at. Um, which <laughs> it works out well because we are not going to be on next week. So you get two episodes now. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're going to stop it here. Uh, feel free to download our next episode when we talk about the remainder of Hill House. So until then, I'm Amy. And I'm Carly. Bye. Bye.